The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. But this morning, I want to talk to you about opportunity. Um, opportunity, specifically when opportunity knocks. Uh, you may have heard the joke, knock, knock. Oppor- opportunity. It can't be opportunity because opportunity doesn't knock twice. Um, opportunity. Um, yeah, I know. Um, get what you pay for sometimes. Uh, but, you know, opportunity, you know, I, I believe, you know, opportunities come in life. And when they come, you and I, we have to recognize when they come. And, and I think the biggest issue is not that opportunities don't come, it's that we don't recognize when they do come. And I would also say that the greatest opportunities are God opportunities. Would you guys agree with that? When God actually opens a door. Bible says a lot about God's opportunities. I want to talk to you about those today and how it relates to your life and how you can get in on more God-given opportunities. Uh, but, but opportunities are throughout Scripture. And the way the Bible explains opportunity is pretty unique. It's pretty interesting. And I'm hoping today we can dive into a couple of passages and get a really interesting insight on how God literally, the Bible says God opens doors that no one can shut. He shuts doors that no one can open, and God has this power and this capacity and this understanding to be able to open opportunity, and sometimes we're not aware of it when it's happening. And so opportunity is really, really key that we recognize it. Um, Jesus said this, he said, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock, and whoever opens the door, whoever hears my voice and opens the door and answers, then I will come in. Profound opportunity. Jesus Christ, Son of God knocking on hearts. And the way that's presented in scripture is that he's knocking on hearts and some people hear and some people don't. He's like, I'm the one knocking, but if you hear my voice and you're willing to open the door, there's an opportunity from heaven where Jesus is knocking and some people, they're not opening the door. They're not opening the door. Some people, they're not hearing his voice. They're too busy. There's opportunity, but not everybody gets in on opportunities, but definitely the best opportunities are God opportunities. I really believe that. Um, And I trust you've had God opportunities in your life. These moments in time, these moments in time where heaven just kind of provided something. Heaven somehow showed up. Heaven opened the door. Maybe it was a divine appointment of somehow meeting somebody, a connection, whatever it is. It's beyond happenstance. It's beyond circumstance. It's beyond coincidence. It's a flat out divine appointment. And that is a moment in time where God intersects with our world and does something and presents an opportunity, but we have to recognize it because if we don't recognize it, we completely uh, miss out on that. Um, I want to just explain really briefly before we get into our passage, we're going to look at two passages today, Um, a time in my life that was critical, a critical time in my life where I had the first moment, so to speak, where God invaded my life or came into my realm or stepped into my space, however you want to call it, where I had this moment in time where time stood still, where I either had to recognize it or not, or make a decision or not. And I believe he does the same with us today. And I was on summer vacation, raised in New York City. My family would get out of the city from time to time because the city was kind of rough, so we would go camping. So my father would take the kids and we'd go out camping somewhere in Jersey or Pennsylvania, upstate New York, somewhere around there. This time, I believe we were in Jersey. We're over in Jersey. We're at a campground. And it's evening time. And uh, at, when evening time comes, my dad had one of those whistles. Did anybody dad whistle? You know, have one of those dinner time? 
some kind of thing? Anybody? Okay. So you know that whistle, and it's very distinct to you. You know exactly what it means when you hear that whistle. So at the time, I was with my older brother and sister, and we're on this old country bridge, and we're throwing stones into this little river underneath, and all of a sudden, it's around dinner time, and my father does that famous whistle. So you don't linger, you don't wait around. At the time you hear the whistle, you immediately go, and it's dinner time, because the whistle means come, it's dinner time. My older brother and sister left, they took off. I didn't, I lingered, I stayed. I had a pile of rocks, I wanted to keep throwing them into the water. And all of a sudden, on the moment, I'm just sharing a freeze frame in time. This is like a picture in my life, and I'm sharing with you. You weren't there, but I I hope you can understand the magnitude of it and how moments work and how divine appointments work and how we recognize them or we don't, we engage them or we don't. All of a sudden, I'm throwing rocks, and coming up alongside me was this older teenager. I was about 10 years old, 11, yes, probably 10 years old. This older teenager walks up, probably 14, 16 years old. All I remember is... He had a beaming face, and he just had joy and peace. And I'm from the city, and I don't see people like that. And I know that I'm looking at this kid, and he has this beaming face, and he comes up and says, hey, how are you doing? I'm going pretty good. He's like, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, yeah, as I'm throwing my rocks. New York, you don't trust anybody. I'm like, yeah, what, what is it? And he said, can I ask you a question? Um, do, you, do you know Jesus? I'm like, I know who Jesus is. I'm Catholic. I, I, know, I know who Jesus is. He goes, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, like, do you know him? I'm like, do I know him? I mean, I don't think anybody can know him. I know about him. I don't know him. He's like, oh, no, you can know him. In fact, have you ever asked Jesus into your heart? I'm like, into my heart? Like, what does that even mean? Like, Jesus, I mean, I'm a little kid going, who is this guy and where did he come from? All I know is he's beaming like an angel and he's, I'm alone with him on this bridge. And he's like, yeah, Jesus actually wants to come into people's hearts because God made you and he loves you and he wants to come in your heart. But you have to be willing, you have to be willing to let him in. And he goes, would you be willing to let Jesus into your heart? And I'm sitting there on the bridge ready to throw a rock and I'm like, Jesus is good, didn't know he could come in. But if he could come in, would I be willing to let him in? Yeah, I, I actually think I would. And he's like, would you pray with me right now? And I prayed with this kid on the bridge, 10 years old, on an old country bridge in Jersey somewhere. And I got to tell you, it was like a scene in one of those movies. Have you ever seen a movie, maybe an action movie? All of a sudden, there's a scene where everything slows down. If it's a gunfight, the, the, the drip of sweat is going really slow. You know, you know what I'm talking about? They're reaching for some. That's the moment in my life where the camera just panned, 360. You got to go all around the person. You know how the camera does that? It goes all around you. Everything was slow-mo. I got to see everything, breathe everything, sense everything in this moment. It was a divine appointment. It was orchestrated by God. It was one of these moments that God just dropped on me. It wasn't contingent on the clock. The time and the moment was not based on a clock. It was not based on a calendar. It was based on the sovereign God invading my life, having this moment that I needed to recognize And this guy made this offer to me, and it was the gospel offer, which I had no idea. I never heard the gospel before. And I accepted Christ in that moment, and it was a life changer. Now, there was only about 15 minutes between my father's whistle and dinner time, 15 minutes of time. Nobody else got in on this moment but me. And it wasn't the 15 minutes of time. It was the moment within time. Does that make sense? It's the moment, listen, it's the moment within time. And if you don't understand this, you missed the whole point. Because divine appointments, it's not the time. 
It's the moments within time. And in Scripture, we see again and again, God invaded the lives of all people. And these these moments in time where oftentimes you and I are too busy because we're running off of our clock and we're running behind and we're running to get play. And we miss out on these moments in time. And I just want to tell you, if you want to get in on more divine appointments, you've got to understand God's economy and God's clock management, so to speak, and these moments in time. Why is that so important that this little kid from New York City throwing stones in the water was encountered with the gospel and accepted Jesus? Well, for some people, that might not be a big deal. That just might be a regular thing. But here's something you don't know, and here's something that nobody else knew. About a month before that, that little 10-year-old kid was about to take his life. Nobody knew that. Nobody could know that. That was unknowable. And the sovereign God, in his love, looked down and saw. You see what I mean? The sovereign God looked down and saw, and the sovereign God looked down and felt. And the sovereign God turned around, created a divine appointment, and invaded my space with his love and an opportunity. Does that make sense? And changed the course of life. And I believe because of what he began here, I'm in front of you today, and I've committed the rest of my life to sharing life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Abundant life. It's called Zoe in Greek, abundant life. I've committed the rest of my life to Jesus and to share his life. Now, it took me a while to figure that out and really land on this, but it was a work that he began in me back there on that Jersey Bridge that I'm here in front of you today. And I want to tell you, there's moments that God has for you. If you're not aware, you're going to miss them. Uh, They're not going to be discerned by your clock and your calendar. They're going to be discerned by the Spirit of God if we have the heart to sense. And that's why Scripture says again and again and again, those who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, let them listen. Those who have hearts to discern what the Spirit is saying, understand. And some people are looking at the clock and running around and missing out on these divine appointments. So I wanted to say that to you today because God has opportunities for you. And when opportunity knocks, specifically God doing the knocking, you want to recognize the opportunity. You don't want to miss that opportunity. You don't want to be checked out when he does that. So I want to look at two scriptures uh, briefly this morning. The first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, just verse 1 and 2. I'll read it to you. You don't have to turn there, or you can if you want. And I don't think we have it because I forgot to let you guys know. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it's verse 1 and 2. And this speaks about God's opportunity, the way God creates opportunity, and the way we need to recognize God's opportunity. It talks about God's timing and how the Bible presents the timing of God, something that most people don't understand. Uh, as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus, um, I encounter people all the time that have a, a, a basic understanding, a basic understanding with the will of God. Just generally, I think God wants this, and I sense this general thing in my life. Some people get a little more refined with specific insights and revelation, but, but a lot of believers have a general Uh, understanding basically of God's global overall will, just the the outlines, the bookends, if you will. But uh, out of all the people I talk to, and I I meet with pastors every Thursday, and we pray for the city, we pray for you guys. I meet with pastors from every denomination, and we just pray for revival in our city. But even amongst that group of peers who love the Lord and pressing in, uh, when it comes to not just the, the general will of God, when it comes to the timing of God, everybody say timing of God? When it comes to the timing of God, that's something that nobody understands very well. No one has a corner on the market 
when it comes to the timing of God. The general will, revelation in Scripture, the ways of God, the nature of God, what is expecting, expectation with our life, how God encounters us is a general understanding and a knowledge that we walk out. The timing of God is something that everybody is a lot oftentimes removed from, and I miss out on it. I trust you do too. But I, I, I want to share with you some things Scripture says today that you will begin to recognize these opportunities of God's timing. When they come to you, you will understand, you will see, you will discern discern and you will know that it's a moment for you it's a moment for you to either choose something or step into something it's not a moment to just sit and watch when god brings an opportunity it's a moment to step into it or affect change or dive or there's something about the moment it's not just a moment to show you something it's a moment for you to enter into something when god provides these opportunities and the first one is second corinthians 6 verse 1 and 2 this is what it says it says As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. Um, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, and now is the day of salvation. This starts out talking about you and I. It's talking to believers. He's writing to the church. Uh, He could be writing this. He was writing to the Corinthian church. He could be writing to Metro Church in Encino. On this date, it's a letter to the church. These letters live on. These letters are timeless. Could be writing to the church today, and he's writing, addressing the believers as God's co-workers. And this is important because when we talk about God's opportunity, uh, if we have, um, we were just having this conversation. In fact, last night with, with my niece about the, the church in America, oftentimes uh, is very self-absorbed and self-centered. How's God going to bless me, my life, my gift, my future, my my everything, my just my stuff? I want more. Blessing God, give me more blessings, so just help me with all my blessing. This is often uh, American Christianity, unfortunately, but the first century church wasn't my blessing. The first century church was, Lord, your blessing. Thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, thine is the glory. It's not mine is the kingdom, mine is the power, mine is the, it's thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, thine is the And if it really is thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, well, guess what? We really are co-workers with God. Does that make sense? But if it's my kingdom, my power and glory, I'm not a co-worker with God. I want God to work for me. I want God to help me. I want God to do stuff for me and get my stuff done for me. And a lot of people have this wrong view of God. Look, he's the sovereign one. We're not. He's the all-knowing, the powerful one. We're not. He's the king of kings. We are not. He is Lord and we are not. That means we step down one day and put him up there. And as a result, we serve him. We serve the king of kings. So this is true as co-workers with God. If you don't understand being a co-worker with God, you won't understand the opportunities. You won't understand how this thing works. Uh, the timing of God, but in the context of being a co-worker with God, it, it literally, he's saying, as a co-worker with God, I want you to understand God's grace. God's grace is profound. It is enormous. And yes, it's what Jesus did on the cross and he forgave our sins, but, but the grace, the more I look at the cross and the more I understand God, I keep growing in knowledge of his grace. The Bible says to grow in knowledge and in grace. Bible says to grow in knowledge and in why does the Bible say to grow in knowledge and grace? Knowledge is obvious because you can get smarter and learn more scripture and understand. Why is the Bible saying to, learn, to grow in grace? Because there's a lot of growing to do when it comes to grace. There's a lot of growing to do. It's not like I understand grace and you move on. Grace is a journey of life where we understand grace. And he's saying in this context right here, listen, I really want you to understand God's grace. As a coworker, I want you to understand the level, the magnitude of his grace. And that's why he's quoting Isaiah 49, 8 here. And he says two times, he's saying, the way I can explain the grace of God so you're going to get a grasp of it, 
grasp of it is that you will understand the time, the time of God's favor, the timing of God when he pours out favor, the timing of God to invade earth or our lives personally, collectively or individually, where God shows up when he, is, he says it's time. And when he says it's time, as a co-worker of God, the way we can understand his grace is that in that time, God wants to, to roll something out to us, and it's the time of God's favor. It's the time of God's favor. And some would say, well, tell me, when is the time of God's favor? Because I want to be ready for it. Wouldn't you want to be ready? If you were to know God was going to roll out some crazy, amazing favor in your life soon, wouldn't you want to know the day and the hour? I would too. I would say, tell me, I'm going to put it in my phone, on my calendar. I'm going to block out the time and I'm just going to be sitting ready. Drop it on me, God. I'm ready to go. Just show me what it is. Give me that insight, that revelation, that favor, that encounter, whatever it's going to be. Tell me when. Here's the problem. The Bible is not talking about the time of God's favor. The Bible is not talking about the time of God's favor in the context of what day is it? What time am I, when should I be Waiting, when, when, when should I turn off the TV and be ready for God? What, tell me, give me the time and I will. The Bible's not talking about that. As a co-worker with God, understanding his grace, the time of his favor, the Bible's talking about a completely different kind of time. And the Bible uses two words to talk about time. It uses two words to talk about time. We usually refer to one word to talk about time. The Bible uses two words. And I would suggest that you can't, be a, you can't get into the next levels of a co-worker with God and understanding of his grace unless you understand this other context of timing according to God. You won't have a great appreciation to see or recognize the opportunities of God when they do come if you don't understand this other aspect of, of time. I believe we have a graphic of it. The Bible refers to time in two different ways. Two different ways. The first word is chronos. Chronos is where we get measurement time. Chronos, chronological, are things in chronological order. Chronos is chronology. Tell me the chronology of the events. Well, first this and then that, and, and you, you did, at this time this happened, at this time. This is chronology. It's where we get a word chronos. It's a measurement of time in seconds, in minutes, in hours, in days, in weeks, in months, in years, decades millennial, whatever it might be. It's a rollout of time and we can measure it. We can clock it. We can document it. That's chronos. You and I tend to live in this space. And the problem is we want God to help us on this timeline. This is the timeline of chronos where God, I need you to show up and I'm looking at my watch, God, and it's got to be now, right? We're looking at our clock, aren't we? That's the timing of humanity, not the timing of God. God, in his economy, in his realm, he doesn't function in our chronos. God functions in his kairos. Kairos. Everybody say kairos. This is the zone you want to be in, the kairos of God, because the kairos is a different kind of time. Kairos is a moment. It's a divine moment. Kairos is an intersection of heaven invading earth in a moment. In fact, that moment come, comes in between what you and I measure as time I told you that time when I was on the bridge, my father whistled, shh, dinner was served, 15 minutes of time. But no one else recognized the kairos except for me. There was a kairos moment in the middle of these two sequences. Does that make sense? And that's what you and I need to begin to understand. God functions in the kairos time. Chronos is chronological sequential time. Kairos is a special moment that happens in between measured Time. See, one of them deals with the quantity of time and the other one deals with the quality of time. 
And why is it quality? Because God is invading doing something. God is showing up, and that's monumental. That's about as quality as you're going to get. That'll never be time wasted. That's something we don't want to miss. The Kairos moment, so to speak. A Kairos moment of God coming and providing an opportunity or a situation or a moment of decision for you and and some engagement of God or an encounter or an opportunity where God is looking, the Spirit is saying, everything is ripe, it's go time, it's now, and some people are not even recognize it because they're too busy looking at their clock or their calendar or something else. And God's saying, look, these are the moments of my grace. These are the moments of my, my favor. Special opportunities to, for things to happen, decisions, actions, could be a miracle, whatever it is, it involves you somehow. Maybe it involves you because as a co-worker with God, listen, you're a co-worker with God, maybe God wants to have a Cairo mo- Kairos moment in somebody next to you's life and as a co-worker of God, God wants you to partner with him, listen, for you to partner with him as a, co- uh, as a co-worker to have a Kairos moment. Does that make sense? To invade somebody's life with some blessing out of left field. They're like, what in the world is this? That kid that visited me on the bridge, he was ready for a Kairos moment. He was ready. He didn't look at his clock and go, yeah, I have an appointment down at the bridge today. There's going to be some kid from New York coming in. I'm supposed to meet him down there at you know, dinner time, I think. Some city kid. These city kids keep coming through every Saturday. They keep coming through. He wasn't looking at his clock. He had nothing on his calendar, I assure you. But I bet he had a prayer life. I bet he had a prayer life. I bet he had relationship with the Father. I bet he said, Father, I'm a co-worker. I love you, God. Where do you want me to go? Where do you want to send me? Who do you want me to engage with? Father's saying, this is beautiful. I have a Kairos moment down there at the bridge. Would you work with me and be a co-worker in that? Absolutely, I'd love to, Father. This kid moseys down to the bridge, engages me, and my life is different. So it was my Kairos moment, but he's also entered into a Kairos moment. Does that make sense? This is the difference between the clock and the, and the heart of God. This is the difference between the opportunities and the engagements of God that we can't miss out on. Here's a, a note. I, I encourage you to take a few of these down because I think it's a game changer in your life how you look at the engagement of God with our life. The first one is this, is we want opportunity in our chronos timing, uh, but God provides in his kairos timing. We want opportunity, God. I want it to knock and I want it to knock now, God. It's the end of the month. I need to check. Could you just please knock and do something now? My chronos timing is up. I'm waiting on you. And God, God provides. Jehovah Jireh, he's the provider. He provides in his kairos timing. How many of you know he makes everything beautiful in its time? Scripture says that. He makes everything beautiful in his time. What time? This, This kairos time that he knows about and we don't. Because we're still looking at our clock and our calendar. Then we got plans. God, I got plans. It's messing with my plan. It's messing with my, blessing with my kairos. God, you're messing with my kairos right now. I mean, my chronos right now. God's like, stay tuned because my kairos is coming. And I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. But if you're too busy looking at your chronos, you're going to miss out on the kairos. Does that make sense? Um, that's important, guys. So, so this is, uh, he's talking about the time of God's favor. When is the time of God's favor? Golden question. When is that time of God's favor? The passage is saying when it comes to the grace of God, the timing is now. The timing is now when it comes to the grace of God. How many of you know God's, when, when God was asked his name, the first time the name of God comes up scripture where God spoke it out of his own mouth, the name of God comes up through scripture again and again in the first sentence of Genesis. In the beginning, Elohim, God said, God said, so we see God described and written through Scripture. But finally, finally, when Moses has an encounter with God, and he says, I know you're God, I know you're the Lord, but 
can I ask you what your name is? What is your name? What, what should I call you? What is, what is your name? I know, you, I know you're the creator. I know you're the master. I, I, it's obvious to me, but what's your name? And God says, Yahweh, I am. I am who am, which means I am. Not just that I was and not just that I will be, I am. Jesus says I, I am the one who was and is and is to come, right? Was and is and is to come. There's something about the ever-present God and God being present all the time. And that's important because when this is talking about being a co-worker with God and understanding his grace in the time of God's favor, this is suggesting to you and I that the timing of God's favor, and it says it actually in this second verse, the timing of God's favor is now. That means in your life and in my life and in people around you, there is something that God wants to do with his grace. Listen, there's something God wants to do with his grace that you and I usually aren't clocking. We're not clocking it. There's something that God wants to do, God's favor, a breakthrough or grace or, or some sort of encounter or a salvation or an opportunity. God is proactive. He's alive. He's the living God. It's my favorite term for God. He's the living God. He is so alive. He wants to work with his coworkers and have these divine appointments, but a lot of times we're completely missing out on the timing of God's favor and the passage is saying for the coworkers of God and when it comes to the grace of God, the time is now of God's favor. And so there's opportunities all around us for these engagements. Uh, and, and, and again, to see it, you're not going to find it looking at your watch or looking at your planner. You're going to see it through the lens of the Holy Spirit showing us the, the timing of God. And that's just something we have to be open. If we're in a place of worship, if we're in a place of devotion, if we're having a prayer life, we will get in on this. Listen, that kid that met me on the bridge that day is no smarter than anybody in this room. He was no smarter than anybody in this room. Most of you are far more educated than he is, and you probably can quote more scripture maybe than that kid on that bridge that day because he was kind of young. But I will tell you one thing. He had a prayer life. He had a devotional life. He was some kind of worshiper because he got in tune. Does that make sense? He got in tune with the heart of the Father, and he knew where to be, and he knew how to step into a kairos moment where everybody else would have just walked around it and missed it. He knew how to step into it. So it wasn't based on education. He was growing in knowledge, but he was growing in grace. And in this passage, that's what it's saying to us, that we have to um, understand these opportunities. Uh, and I believe this, guys, and I'm so, uh, we were going to continue through Matthew. We're teaching through the book of Matthew. I just felt I needed to stop this week and go with this. And, and we're going to go through Matthew. That's cool. It's an epic book, and there's a lot of truth, and we're going to keep tearing it, digging in, and diving in. But listen, this is, I believe, guys, our second point this morning. If you'd write it down, I believe this is a word for everybody in here today. Uh, the second point, there is something God wants to do now regarding his grace in my life. There's something God wants to do now regarding his grace in my life. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now co-worker of God. Now is the time of God's favor. So God wants to do something by his grace, and I believe God is a now kind of God. The question is, what does God want to do with his grace in your life? And I can't answer that for you. And maybe some of you have an idea, and maybe some of you just need to pray and get with God. God, your grace is big. I want to grow in knowledge and in grace. I don't want to just come to church to get smarter today, God. I want to grow in your grace. So tell me, Father, what do you want to do regarding your grace in my life? Because I want to get in on these Kairos moments. And I know if I, it's going to have, what is it, God? It's going to be a grace encounter of some kind. And I don't know what it is. What do you want to do? 
And are you open to that grace encounter? See, some people stop growing in these grace encounters. They just grow in knowledge and grace encounters tend to diminish in their life. Some would talk about, oh, back then, when I just came to faith, oh, God was doing all kinds of cool stuff. It was awesome. And they'll have stories and testimonies about the old days. And that tells me that they stopped growing in grace a long time ago. They've grown a lot in knowledge. Listen, we never want to stop growing in knowledge and in grace. These encounters should be part of our life. It should be part of our, 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 our testimony as, as co-workers with God. Um, speaking of timing, um, how many of you guys like sports in the room? Sports and gals too, sports, right? Okay, I would say some of the best sports are, tie, are tied, tied to a clock. The best sports are tied to, a, to me, my opinion. Best sport, best sport ever created was football. Football. Okay, not the other football, but there's football and football, and I don't know which one came first, but uh, they're both cool, but uh, I love American football, and uh, it's tied to a clock, and many of the great sports are. Uh, football's got four quarters with a halftime, and just in case you're running out of time and you completely lost time, uh, track of time, they give you a two-minute warning at the end. Literally blow a whistle, you can't forget. The game's almost over. You better get it done because you're about out of time. Two-minute warning. Very cool way to play sports, tied to a clock, tied to chronos. Uh, basketball is the same thing. You've got four periods of basketball. You can never forget where you are in the game and how much time you have left. Hockey's got three periods. Can't forget. It's right up there on the board. You can't miss it. Um, soccer's got two 45-minute halves, so you know, uh, oh, two halves, so you know what you got there. Um, but the best sports, I believe, are tied to a clock. Now, there's other sports. No offense. No offense. <laughs> there's other sports with no clock at all. They just take their watch off and they throw it away. Just throw it away. Just ignore it. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Get out there. <laughs> Everyone's watching. No one's looking at their clock, by the way. They're all in the same boat. Everyone's in the same boat. They all throw their clocks away when they come to the golf game. They're sitting out there. They don't like it. They readjust it a little bit. You know, no one sneezes. Take all day long if you want. All day long. No clock at all involved. That's why I can't watch golf. Some of you watch golf on TV. I appreciate you, but I can't watch golf on TV because there's no clock tied to it. And it drives me nuts that they're not moving along quickly. Like, come on, hurry up and take your next shot. So golf has no clock, but you know what else doesn't have a clock is baseball. Baseball is a great game. It has no clock. No clock. Some people enjoy the no clock element to it. But it slows the game way down. They come out and talk to the pitcher. Hey, how's the wife and kids? Doing good? Yeah, yeah. I know you're getting a little heated. Let's talk. You going to have a barbecue this weekend? Yeah, I'll have a barbecue this weekend. I'll bring the carne asada. Good, good, good. And uh, No, make, him, make the batter wait. It's okay. He's, he's stressed. Um, so... Uh, yeah, so what about Christmas? You guys come up? I mean, they come to the mound, they have these conversations, you know, they spit a lot, you know, and have more conversation. But no, no clock, no one's saying, hey, you're out of time, just hurry up. No one's doing that. In fact, the longest Major League Baseball game in history went 25 innings. It went over eight hours. Can you imagine what game that is? You wore out all your pitchers, you know? You got the water boy coming out to pitch. You're out of pitchers. There's no one left to pitch. Everyone's arm is falling. 20... Think of how long that game is. You know, eight hours, 25 innings, but not tied to a clock. But the Bible tells us some things about the clock. And it tells us part of the things about the clock that we are tied to the clock, like sports, and part of us that is not tied to the clock. Our days are numbered, it says in Ecclesiastes. Do you know that all your days are numbered? Yes. Mine and yours. That's clock. If life is a race, 
We're in a clock management game. You know that? If life is a race, you and I are in the game of clock. In fact, some of the best coaches understand clock management very well. Some coaches have lost games because they, they didn't know how to manage their clock. And, and I think some people in life get away with it. They forget about their clock. And the Bible says your days are numbered, says the Lord. So we need to be mindful that we are on a clock and God knows the clock and we don't. That's chronos. I don't know how many days. You don't know how many days. Um, I say that because today, actually today, today is the day, 18 years ago, that my father passed away. Today. And um, I think about that because... He didn't know his clock, and I didn't know his clock. And if I had known his clock, I would have looked for more of those Kairos moments, amen? If we, if we knew the Kronos timing, we would have taken more opportunity on the Kairos. I've took time. I sat, try to sat, talk to my father, engage him with the gospel. And, but had I any idea that that clock was out, if I knew that clock was out, because we all found out one day, suddenly, bam. What? No warning, nothing. No hospital, no sick, just bam. And we're like... Are you kidding? Guess what? There is no time left. There's no two-minute warning then. And you, there's no more time for Kairos moments either. And I say that because it's amazing how our days are numbered. But in, in Ephesians 5, let's jump there really quick. Wow, I've got to do this like rocket speed, okay? Um, Ephesians 5, this is where Paul stresses that you and I need to recognize the Kairos opportunities of God. We need to recognize the Kairos opportunity of God because the Kairos opportunities don't always last. They come and they go and they're not always in front of us every single day. Uh, when, when there's these encounter opportunities, somebody might be coming your way and God says, now is the Kairos moment. And sometimes we step in and sometimes we don't. And the Kairos moment might just, might just move, move right away. It gives us a sense of urgency. And the reason is because we only have one life to live. You guys know that? We got one life. We got one life to live. There's no do-overs in this life. We have one life to live, and we got to make the most of our opportunities, recognizing the time, recognizing the kairos, not recognizing the calendar, recognizing the kairos. So let's read this real quick, and I'm going to unpack it super quick. Um, Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 20 says this, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, here's a summary. I want to encourage you to read this again later. Camp out with the Lord. Unpack this deeply in your personal devotional time. But let me just give you a little breakdown uh, expositionally what, he, what he's saying here in a, in, in a nutshell. He's writing to believers, believers, he's writing to the church, he's writing to Christians who he feels are sleepy. He feels they're sleepy and they're missing opportunities. Um, we can believe in God and we can love God and still be spiritually sleepy and miss opportunities. We know that because that's what he's doing right here. And he's saying, listen guys, it's time to wake up, wake up fully in the spirit and let the light of Christ shine on you. Literally wake up in the spirit. He's saying it's no time to be spiritually sleepy. Um, it, 
If you would say about your life that you were more on fire at some other season in life than you are right now, that tells me you've been getting a little sleepy. Right now, to wake up from a sleep, be as spiritually alive as you've ever been, now is the time. Um, and then he says, and he's saying that because he's saying the world needs to see Christ. And he's saying that if we light up in the Lord, the light of Christ will shine on us. The world is in darkness around us. And the world now, how many would agree the world has gotten darker and darker over the last 10, 20 years? Anybody? So nobody really doubts that if you look at the scope of history and Western civilization and morality, uh, I don't think anybody can argue that. There's a demise statistically of everything going up and morality going down. And it's a lot of it's tied to faith and conviction in God. And because of that, there's a greater need now more than ever for the light of Christ to shine on his people but instead some believe and are very sleepy, very sleepy, missing opportunities, and the light of Christ isn't fully shining on us. He's saying, come on, guys, shine. Let the light of Christ shine on you. It's time to wake up. And then he says, it's time we discover it, uh, what pleases the Lord, to know what the Lord's will is. And I want to ask you this morning, do you know what the Lord's will is for your life? Because when it comes to opportunity, you've got to know this. Do you know generally, do you have a general idea? Not all the specifics. We don't always know the specifics. Do you generally know what the Lord's will is for your life? And if you don't, you need to camp out with the Lord. And you've you got to say, God, you made me for purpose. All my days were written in your book before one of them came. You created me for good works. Can you give me a basic snapshot, a basic framework, God, of what is your will for my life? Because you've you got to get with God and you've got to know that. Everybody should know that. And from there, you can write a life mission statement. I don't know everything, but I do God, know God made me for this, and I know he did not make me for this. Beautiful. You've got a framework, and God will fill it in in your journey. But you've got to have some kind of big, God, what did you make me for? He's saying, listen, we're, these are times, these are times, if you want to get in on the opportunities of God, you have to at least basically have an understanding of what the Lord's will is. And then he goes on to say, uh, don't... Uh, he's basically saying you don't have time for anything fruitless anymore. Fruitless. He's saying we're living on days. How many would agree the clock is even going faster? Yeah. The clock is going fast. You look at technology ramping up. You look at what we've done. We've created more content in the last 50 years than the last, you know, uh, thousand years as far as information created, done, edited, published, and posted. We, it's ramping up exponentially the amount of content and creation and stuff that's being done and put out there for the world, and that's because we're t living in times. The Bible says in, uh, uh, in, in Chronicles that when it talks about the end times and there's an explanation of what things will look at, it says wisdom and knowledge will vastly increase. Now, you couldn't say that thousands of years ago. You couldn't even really say that with the Industrial Revolution, although that was picking up some steam. But when now we're talking about sending things to Mars and nuclear physics and everything else we do and splitting the genetic code, right? Would you say knowledge and wisdom are vastly increasing? It also says that in the end times, people will be able to go to and fro quickly, travel. In the old days, people still took boats and horses and buggies, and that was the same for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And now, right now, as we speak, there's thousands of planes in the sky zipping people over at past the speed of sound, traveling. The Bible says in the later times, I'm not saying these are the last days, but I'm telling you guys, we're living in times where the Bible talked about a generation that I believe you're getting to live in. God made you for such a time as this. He put you in a time where things are ramping up at a crazy pace, and he did it, I believe, with purpose and, and intention. Um, this, that's why it's saying we don't have time for fruitless things anymore. What's fruitless? What has no fruit in our lives? What, what doesn't amount to anything? What's kind of worthless? We don't have time for that anymore. 
He's saying for the church that's sleepy, we don't have time for that stuff. So what's an absolute waste of time in your life? Get rid of it. We don't have time for it anymore. And then he goes on to say, um, it's time to be sober and spirit-filled. Sober and spirit-filled. Wow. Uh, you know, our, uh, I heard something the other day. Our, um, the uh, Senate minority leader said something. You know, he said, I've been opposed to marijuana my whole life, but I think I've decided um, it should be legal in all 50 states. And I think I'm going to go ahead and you know, move forward with this legislation. Everyone's got a different view on marijuana. I appreciate that. But the reality is this. Uh, when we green light the whole country to be sedated, does anyone think that's good for our country? Why doesn't everybody just get high? It's legal, you know? Um, but this is, this, is, this is like, this is some aim. Some, and we're living in times where no one ever said, you realize in the last 2,000 years of Western civilization, no one ever said, let's just let everyone be high and drunk. You realize no one said that? But we're leaning through a thing. I just read a thing in Wall Street Journal two days ago. Um, National Highway Traffic Safety Association said out of all the fatalities in 2016, they're still measuring 2017, 2016, out of all the fatalities where people died in a car crash, 40% of the people were related to marijuana. I'm like, what? 40%? That's shocking to me. 40% of the people, and the stuff they have now is radioactive. If anybody got involved back in the day, this is like radioactive. They like they're making this stuff in a science lab. So you got people driving around so high with bad reaction time, and let's just legalize it. Let's just you know let's just run with that. And you know what the the spokesperson for the National Highway Traffic Association said about that? He said, Yeah, there was 40% of the people that were on mar marijuana, but we can't say for sure that if marijuana was was the reason. I'm like, really, really, you're gonna say that? So I'm I'm just saying that, guys, because. This idea of being checked out or sedated is part of our normal society. A society saying one thing, but the Bible saying, listen, God is saying, the Spirit of God is saying, I don't want you sedated. I want you to be filled with the Spirit because you can't do both at the same time. You can't get your buzz on and be filled with the Spirit at the same time. It's, it's a contradiction. And you can't get in on the opportunities of God when we're checked out. If we're checked out, we're going to miss them. Does that make sense? We're living in days, he's saying, recognize the time because we're living in days. We got to be coherent and aware of what God's doing, spiritually aware and discerning. And so that's an important one. That might not apply to everyone this morning, but there's some of you in the room that you know this is robbing you of what God has for you. You know this is robbing you from the grace that God has from you. And it will also rob you from the opportunity when opportunity knocks because we won't be fully observant and understand the Kairos moment involved and that's why he's saying this right here. Um, and that's why he says, listen, guys, you have to recognize the time, recognize the time and make the most of our opportunities. That's our third point this morning, if you want to jot that down really quick. It's time to recognize the times. Right? Do you know what era you're living in? And I don't mean on the clock when you were born and what's going to be on our gravestone with the dash and our end. I don't mean that time, the calendar. The times that God had you born, that God has you here for such a time as this. We got to recognize the season that we're in, the season that we're in. You know, in the Bible, there, there's a mention in Chronicles of, uh, of a group of uh, people. They were called the sons of Issachar. Has anybody heard of these guys? Sons of Issachar. It doesn't say a lot about them, but it says this. It says, you know, these guys, these sons of Issachar, somehow, some way, they fully understood what season of life and everything. They, they got it. They understood it. Uh, they didn't study their calendar. 
Uh, they didn't study their clock. That's not what it was about. They simply understood in the spirit the times that they were living. They fully understood it. And because they stood it, they stepped into these kairos moments and did different things because they understood the times. This is saying the same things to us right here. Paul is saying, like the sons of Issachar, listen, it's time to recognize the time. It's time to be like the sons of Issachar where we recognize the time and the season and that we make the most of every opportunity. This is telling us that even though our culture might have some messed up stuff going on, there is also tons of opportunity for you and I to step into. Does that make sense? God's not shocked. Oh my goodness, the culture, what happened to it? I turned around for a minute to deal with Europe and I turn around and the culture, God's not shocked or surprised at all. God already knows the culture and the ways. But in this culture, in the context of culture, there is opportunity and I believe he wants to make the most of opportunities and step into it. That's really important. Um, you know, last thing I want to share. In fact, this would be great if the worship team comes up. Um, so in life, we have to recognize the master clock. Our days are numbered. We don't know the master clock. We need to look at the clock. We, we need to be mindful of the clock, our clock of our life. We don't know the duration, but we need to be mindful of that. But we also need to be mindful of the, the kairos moments that within our numbered days, there are these moments of opportunity. And they don't necessarily come when you think they're going to come and you can't quantify or be prepared for them. But when they come, we want to be like that kid on the bridge saying, what should I step into God? And, and if you're aware, God's got moments for you and there are moments in his grace and these moments are going to change you. These moments are going to help you. These moments are going to level you up as a Christian in your maturity and your understanding. You're going to grow in knowledge and in grace in these Kairos moments. That's the way, way the Lord works. Um, last story of a... There was a successful businessman, very successful, very proud of his work. And he had a journal, and he wrote down in his journal all his business deals, very proud of his business deals. So for each day that he engaged a customer or did a transaction, he did this, I sold this much stuff to so-and-so and got this deal done. He wrote this big old thing in his journal. And uh, when he got older, he was up in his attic one day, and uh, he was dusting off some stuff, and he found his journal. And so he's looking at this journal and he's just flipping through the pages and they're filled with, each day was filled with business deals and as he's flipping through, he comes to a date and this entry is one, one line, just a few words and he was surprised and, and what it said in there, it said, uh, went fishing with Jimmy, wasted the whole day, didn't catch anything. One line in his journey, in his journal. And he just thought that was kind of interesting. And as he went to put his journal down, he realized underneath his journal was his son's journal. So he's like, wow, that's interesting. So he picks up the son's journal and goes, I wonder what Jimmy wrote in there for that same date. So he flips open his son's journal, he flips the date, and he looks up the same date. And his son writes in his journal, went fishing with my dad, best day ever. The dad thought it was the worst day. The son thought it was the best day. The dad is living in the Kronos time. Waste of time, no time for this. The son is living in the Kairos time. What an awesome opportunity, what a life. Does that make sense? And it's the same with your life and in mine. We're going to choose. Listen, guys, you have to choose what time zone you're going to live in. And I don't mean Pacific time, Eastern time, Mountain time, Central time. You have to choose what time zone you're going to live in. If you're going to just live in straight Kronos time or you want to get in on Kairos time. Because God is saying, listen, I have opportunity. I want you to make the most of them. But you have to recognize the time, not the clock and the calendar. 
You need to recognize the time. So that's my prayer. The, the last point this morning, if you're a note taker, is simply this. I realize many of us are kicking off summer right now. Um, and I just felt the Lord say to share this with you. Fourth point is don't take a vacation from God because God does not take a vacation from you. God does not take a vacation from you. He never does. So don't take a vacation from God. This is a time to not fall asleep this summer. This is a summer to be spiritually alive. This is a summer where you're going to come back with God stories of God engagement. My prayer for you is that you recognize the time and you recognize these moments and God gives you these kairos moments where as a co-worker of God, God says, wow, I got something cool and you're going to have a story to tell and there's going to be an encounter and I want you to be part of it. And sometimes you're just going down the road and God has an encounter for you. And I don't know what they're going to be, but God is good. He is sovereign and he loves you and he wants to grow you in grace. And there's going to be Kairos moments for you this summer if you don't miss out on them. On that note, I want to close in prayer and ask God to seal some of these things in our heart. Mighty God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of it, Lord. I just pray for all of us in here that we would be um, sons and daughters like that, that like that sons of Issachar, we recognize the times, we understand the seasons spiritually, we discern what's going on, like that kid that you sent down to the bridge that day, that he would say, I, I know no matter how big or small, God's got these little divine appointments for me, he's got these little assignments for me, they might be at Trader Joe's, or it might be talking to the mechanic, or it might be at the whatever, at the mall, it doesn't matter where it is, it might be on the baseball field, but he's got these moments for me, I don't want to miss out on them, God, and you have moments for us that we don't want to miss out on, because you want to transact with us. You want to do things in our life. You want to level us up in your grace. You want us to grow in knowledge and in grace. So I just pray today, God, that all of us would be open and say, Lord, whatever you want to do in our lives regarding your grace, God, we're ready. We, have, we want to have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to discern what your spirit is saying. Show us where you want to stretch us. Show us where you want to grow us in grace, Lord God. And let this be a summer of awesome Kairos moments where we all come back saying, man, I, I didn't have much testimony before the summer, but let me tell you the testimony now. Let me tell you, God did more this summer than he did in the last 10 years. God did more stuff this summer simply because I just had an ear towards heaven and I try to be in tune somehow, some way with the, with the King of Kings and he put me right into his work as a co-worker. I got into some epic things I got to see and do. So Lord, you don't take a vacation from us. Let us not take one from you. We love you so much. Be glorified in our life. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen, amen. amen. God is good. Um, hey, um, God is good. God is good. Come on. Hey, our prayer team's coming up here. If you need prayer for anything, any need, burden, request you have, come and see our prayer team. God's doing great things in prayer. Engage God. We have not because we ask not. So ask. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.